this message is going to be a little different in, in how I just kind of laid it out. Um, but um, when we hear scripture of John 10, 10, it's going to be our focus scripture. And the thief's purpose, the thief meaning Satan, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, there's no confusion in what the Satan's purpose is. And you notice there's no life in that. I mean, it's very, it's very, very plain, very simple. The thief's purpose, Satan, is to t- steal, kill, and destroy. But I love the beauty of this. The, the promise, the authority that God, Jesus, comes right back and says, but my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Now, it's not by accident that God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He begins to say, this is the thief's purpose because God knows us because of the sin of Adam and Eve in this imperfect world. He knows the, God, Satan knows the assignment that is on your life. He knows the assignment that is upon your business. He knows the assignment that is upon your family. And because God has a great purpose, what is his purpose? My purpose is to give you life to its fullest. He wants your life to be to its fullest. So Dixie, what does that mean? If you read in another version, it says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. That what that abundantly means beyond measure. It means you cannot count how much God loves you. You cannot measure God's faithfulness to you. You cannot count how many times God has healed you and provided for you and protected for and protected you. Are you hearing me tonight? And sometimes when Satan and it's real is constantly bringing shade our way. What do you mean, Dixie? Constantly bringing shade of sickness. Constantly bringing shade of just doubt and discouragement. It's like, what else does he have? But God has the final word. And that's why he says, I have come. My purpose is that you would have life to its fullest. That no matter what you're walking through now, no matter what you're about to face, I am with you beyond measure. And all that I have is with you beyond measure. All that I have, my peace, all that I have, my provisions, my protection is with you. And the reason why I wanted to just talk about living a full life And I'm not talking about that you achieve something and then it's like, okay, I've accomplished something. As we day in and day out, love God and serve God, knowing that he is just as faithful yesterday and he will be just as faithful as tomorrow. The same peace, the same presence, the same encouragement, the same word that I know many of us received during prayer and fasting. Did you hear the Lord speak to you? Come on, if you didn't, say yes. Did you see the Lord move on your behalf? Say yes. Well, guess what? He's going to do it in February, in March, in April, in May, in 2024, 2025, until he returns. But he wants us to know that we can have that full life beyond measure. Why? 
Because that is the purpose in which he came to deposit into our lives as we serve him. Does that make any sense? See, Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against people made of flesh and blood. Look to somebody next to you. Look to somebody beside you, around you, behind you. They are not the enemy. And I know you've heard us say this before. But I tell you what, the, the Satan would want us to think that they're our enemy so it would quench us from living the full life. The full life of the peace, the purpose, and the plans of God. We wrestle not, we fight not against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. So you read this scripture and you know that there's a real enemy. You read this scripture and you know that there's an enemy with power. But the whole Bible describes that the enemy has been defeated by Jesus Christ. And we have to constantly be mindful of that. Because when we are mindful of that, we position ourselves to walk and live in a full life that God has for us. When we read in Psalm 23, 1 through 6, many of us have heard this before. You've probably been memorized. The Lord is my... Y'all so good. You get an A. But I love this part. The Lord is my shepherd to feed me, to guide me, to shield me. I shall not lack. Lack what? All the provisions and the plans that God has for my life. Of his peace of his purpose, his favor resting upon me, his healing power, I shall not lack. Why is that so important? Because this scripture is talking about the very character of God. If there is someone that you know is going to be for you and be there for you no matter what, if there is somebody in your life that you can run to any time, any hour of the day and talk with, share your heart, uh, just vomit emotionally all on it, or just go in and share with you your dreams and your excited and be more excited for you, strengthen you, you would absolutely want to make sure that that person is a priority in your life for you to go to. And that is where the enemy tries to bring disruption. If he can get us to think of the mind of bringing shade upon the very nature and character of God, because I, I just got a bad doctor's report. I don't see him moving. Where is God? I just had an unexpected uh, bill or financial situation. I don't see him moving. Where is God? It's not that he is omnipotent. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. And his and his rule and his reign and his very character are not going to be shifted and adjusted based upon what culture dictates or what the crowd dictates who he is. He is who he is no matter what. And just because we might not see him moving in the way and the timing and the manner, he is still God and he is still with us. And so it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I have no lack. He makes me lie down in fresh and tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes 
and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the path of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him. Not for my earning it, but for his name's sake, because it's who he is. Yes, though I walk through the deep and sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect me, your staff to guide me, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. And surely your goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days in the house of the Lord and his presence shall my dwelling place be. We must be mindful constantly of the very value and love that God has for you and me. Regardless of what we're walking through, regardless of what other people say we're about to face, my good shepherd is with me. And so I would like for us to, to read another psalm and then we're going to go into our, 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 the rest of our message. It says Psalm 121, 1 through 8. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does, uh, uh, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth and he will not let me stumble and fail. Sometimes the very thing that we need to speak over our lives is the very word of God. He will not let me stumble and fail. He will not let the enemy devour me and rob from me my purpose. Yes, the one who watches over you will not sleep. Indeed, he will watch over Israel, never tires and never sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protecting, protective shade. The sun will not hurt you by day nor the moon at night. Listen to that beautiful. The Lord keeps you from all evil and preserves your life preserves it the Lord keeps watching over you as you come and go both now and forever that's the good shepherd who has promised us a full life amen and so when we hear the word in the Bible in John 10 10 where um where he's describing and what he's saying I am the good shepherd the interesting thing about that is that if you read the chapter before that in verse 9, there's a reason why he's telling the people he's a good shepherd. Because they have been exposed to a non-good shepherd. They have been exposed to religious leaders that really could care less about them. And so we're going to read a story about a blind man. And I want you to hear the interaction between uh, him and Jesus and then between him and the religious leaders and what transpires. Then you can see why God is saying, I am the good shepherd. No matter what pressure people try to put on you, no matter what situations you face. Because let me tell you, let me ask you a question. You don't necessarily need to respond. I want you to think about it. How many of you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you love God? How many of you have felt some pressures before? 
How many of you have had some stressful moments? How many of you have literally said, Lord, I believe in you, but what on earth is going on? Yes, yes. But yet God has promised us the full life. Okay, the full life doesn't mean a perfect life. It means that all of God's promises and provisions, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. There's going to be fulfillment fulfillment in heaven. Well, guess what? The God that we will see and experience there is the same God by his spirit that lives on the inside of us. And that is how you and I are able to live a full life. So that whenever we are faced with trauma, tragedy, stress, and confusion, we can call on the name of God. And by his spirit, he will comfort us and renew a fresh full life within, within us. This is my making any sense but man sometimes you will face situations situations and it'll just take the breath right out of you are you understanding what I'm speaking and you can love God with all your heart and so in John 1 9 and I'm just going to read a couple of just to kind of set the tone uh, and then we're going to talk about the dialogue that um, the blind man had But uh, there was a man that, in in verse 1, Jesus was walking along and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He saw a man that had been blind from birth. And then the disciples began to have a dialogue, asking the Lord, asking Jesus, Lord, was he born this way just due to his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus replied to them, oh, no, absolutely not. And, uh, and what Jesus uh, replied was, is that, uh, listen, he was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now, when you hear that, you're like, well, what on earth? How many of you, something has happened to you in your life? And again, let me be very clear. God does not take part in any type of sin or or anything like that. But how many of you, something unexpected, a situation happened to you, and when you first walked in it, you were like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to walk through this, but there's God. And he has brought you through with it, made a bigger testimony, increased your faith, and only what you can do is God. How many of you? How many of that's happened more than one time? See, that's what was taking place here. But we have to know that this is what was taking place so that whenever God is saying, I am the good shepherd, he is addressing just the the chaos and the confusion of what was happening of what the blind man was about to face. Okay? And so then we're going to pick off the story. Um, We're going to pick up at the story. And it says... um, I got all my notes here. Uh, Jesus in verses uh, five, but I, but will, but while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. And then this is what Jesus did: the steps that Jesus took to bring healing. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, "Go and wash into the pool of Siloam." So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, when you see those steps, that is not something that we would necessarily agree is the best plan of action. 
would you say? Or encourage somebody else, even as believers. But how many times God will use the simplest of things because he's still moving. See, he needed to do the simplest of things so that God would receive the honor for it because it was so simple that the religious leaders had a hard time wrapping their brain around something so simple could have such an impact. Well, you say, well, Dixie, what do you mean so simple? So simple and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins and you have an eternal impact. Lord, I forgive the one that had betrayed me and bitterness is broken off of your life and a relationship is restored. God does not make things so difficult for us to have a full life. Does that make any sense? And one thing is because he wants it to be so simple so that we're in all and it's like, that was it? Because we can't look to ourselves, but we only look to him. Does that make any sense? I'm encouraging myself. I hope you are too. Then, and I want to, and then I'm going to start at verse 13. His neighbors began to see him. And at first they're like, wait, is that? They were not. They questioned. Now I know I grew up with that guy, but he was blind. But now he can see. He had a new look about him. He had a new look about him. And so then they took the man to the Pharisees. Now, as it had happened, Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he smoothed the mud over my eyes. And when, I, and when it was uh, washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said... But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? They're talking about Jesus. Oh, my goodness. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees once again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded that this man... Hold on, I'm getting all mixed up. These are too small. Then they had deep division of an opinion among them. Then the Pharisees once again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded this man who um, opened your eyes, who do you say he is? They never was praising the very fullness of life that the man had received. They were too busy focused on who did it. Why did he do it? Because they wanted the glory for something that was impossible for them to do, but only Jesus. Oh, that's so good. How many times in our life, in our relationships, we are asking God to move and breathe and restore and so forth, and we just need to step out of the way and say, only God, only God. That's why I, and I'm saying this, I, Dixie Bowen, have to ask, always ask the Lord, Lord, examine my heart, what is my motives? Because I do not want to have a pharisaical attitude, because then that will deplete my life and not bring it to the fullness. Okay? So then listen, who do you say he is? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Watch the progression. I think he must be a prophet. And then begin to watch the attitude change. Watch. Then the Jewish leaders wouldn't believe 
Then the Jewish leaders wouldn't believe he had been blind, so they called in his parents. They, they pressed him, okay? They asked him, is this your son who was born blind? If so, how, if so, you know, um, and his parents replied, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we didn't know how he can see or who healed him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. And they said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that everyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. I say this to myself. Can people see in my attitude and in my responses who Jesus is? Can they just see him? Or do they have, they don't want to, they don't want to say certain things around me because they think I'm going to condemn them if it isn't how I think it should be or look like. I can't put that on my good shepherd. That's pharisaical in me. You make it, is it making any sense? Okay. And then it says, that's what they said. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God by telling the truth because we know Jesus is a sinner. Do you see how they twisted that? Listen to this. I love this. I don't know where he's a sinner, the man said. But I know this. I was blind and now I see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man explained. The, tent, the, the pressure's reaching a little surface. You see that? There's a, there's a little tension there. Look, the man explained, I told you once, didn't you listen? How did he heal you? Oh, no, okay, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? It's okay for us to have a little pressure. Because when we have a little pressure, it might be the very thing that needs to turn up that faith inside of us to stand when nobody else is. Amen? When you get a doctor's report, and I'm not telling you to be critical or, or to, to cast down any medical profession, but when you get a doctor's report and you're like, oh, no, I'm just not going to receive that. Obviously, you share with them the love of Jesus, but you push your faith forward. Jesus is my healer and my provider, and I will stand. Sometimes we can't, we have to make sure that our fullness of life is with the authenticity of believing in the good shepherd and not depending upon the falseness of a pharisaical attitude on the inside of us. Does that make any sense? Because people are watching us to see is the good shepherd real? To see what is this full life? And so then he's saying, do you want to become his disciples too? And then they cursed him and said, you are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as far as this man, we don't know anything about him. Yada, yada, yada. That doesn't say that in scripture. I'm just saying. <laughs> I want you to hear the tone of what's being discussed. 
Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know anything about him. Well, God didn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin, and they answered, Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Hallelujah. But listen to how beautiful. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. And said, do you believe in the son of man? The, this is the blind man now that is speaking. He says, the man answered, who is he, sir? Because I, I, I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said. And he, and he is speaking to you now, speaking to you now. <gasps> yes, Lord. The man said, I believe and worship Jesus. Now, are you seeing the exchange? So when Jesus on the very next verse later, he is speaking and saying, the thief comes to still kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. And then he begins to describe how the good shepherd, how, and that word shepherd is interchangeable with pastor, how he is really going to treat you and what he's doing on your behalf. So that no matter what you face, you can hold on and be mindful that God is with you. In John 10, 11, 17, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and has no real concern for the sheep. It is so important that when we are giving our lives to the Lord, when we are reading the Bible, when we are serving him, serving our community, that God wants us to, he has a real concern about our lives and what happens to it. Okay? Because he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. That is the God that we serve. That's the one and only true God. Not to just come and let me just take of your life and just take and take and take. No, there is a relational exchange. And he is looking out for your best interests at heart. And even in John 10, 27 through 30, it says, my sheep hear my voice. Man, that's relational. They hear my voice. And he says, I know them and they follow me. They know me and they follow me. The more that we get to know the heart of God, not what other people have said about him, what other people tell us who he is, but us ourselves get to know who God is from his word, then there's no doubt that we will experience a full life of love and purpose and peace. 
but we cannot allow the adversary to try to paint us a false picture of who God is or allow culture to paint a false picture of who God is. Because it was the Pharisees in that moment that were painting the picture of who God was. And it was not the heart of God. And culture, people that have been hurt and rejected, they might want to say, well, this is who God is. Oh, no, my friends. He is the good shepherd. And he has a full life for you and me. And I love this. It says, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. Listen to how beautiful this is. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And again, he says it again. No one is, but this he says, is able to snatch them out of my hand. That tells me that no matter what you're going through, as a believer, no matter what situation seems to just be stressful and weighing on your mind, no one is able, no one is able to snatch you out of the hand of God if you are his. Stay steady. Don't give up. So how to live a full life. I'm sure that there are many different steps, but I'm just going to read off these three. And then I'm going to close with sharing a testimony of just that full life. Okay? How to live a full life. One, always be mindful of what God has done for me. Personalize it. I think of, I've heard Pastor Brand, I've heard people say, people might disagree with your faith, but they can't disagree with your story, your testimony. So this has happened to me. This is real. You know, I experienced God speaking to me. I experienced a, a miracle and healing. I experienced God's provision. You know what they're going to say? Well, no, you didn't. Well, yes, I did. I was there. Were you there? No, I wasn't. I was there. I know. You know? See, if you see in verses 9, chapter 9, verses 25, or excuse me, uh, chapter 9, verses 6, um, Always be mindful of what God had done for me. He was gripped. The blind man who now, he was gripped with the experience of what God had done for him. Even when his neighbors, oh, we got to bring you and, and explain this. You've got to go to the religious leaders. And he, you notice he was just following along. Okay. He wasn't arguing to me. He said, okay, y'all want to bring me? Okay. And then we began to explain why, how, who, hold on a minute. He's like, why y'all coming up? I'm, he didn't say this, but I'm just, why y'all coming up in my business and getting, and telling me this? I was blind and now I can see. It was engraved on his very soul what God had done for him. You and I must remember not just of what God spoke to you in prayer and fasting, but what God has done for you. Because there's something, the word of God is eternal. Because God is eternal. And so when the word of God speaks something to your soul, speaks something to your spirit, it, it, it's nothing like you've ever heard, but it will carry you, it will hold you, it will sustain you, it will prepare you. Because it's what he's doing inside of me, what he has done 
in me, in me. It was not by accident. God, don't you know? Listen, listen how cool this is. Because the, the, because the disciples had just asked him, Lord, why is, the, why is he blind? Was there something where he was here sin or yada, you know, whatever. And God already told them, listen, God said he was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. Quickly carry out his task assignment. Don't you know it was the power of God is why the Pharisees were arguing about it. And that man, he just knew, hey, God done this in me. Why y'all, why y'all coming up against me? It's because they saw the power of God in him. Be prepared. When the power of God is moving in your life, Satan don't like it. And anybody that hasn't surrendered to him, they're going to come after you. But you just stand. It's what God has done in me. It's what God has done in me. So one, always be mindful of what God has done for me. Number two, always be mindful of what God is doing in me. There is a progression. In verse 9, verses 25, I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man just replied, I was once, I was blind and now I can see. And then there's a shift. What did he do? We need sometimes to feel the pressure so that we can stand. And then he says, do you want to become his disciples too? What God was doing in him. See, what God did for him was just the beginning. It was just the steps. God is relational. And many times in natural, it's like, okay, Lord, you know, we, we want the peace. We want the blessings. But what is in our thinking? What is something in our belief system? What is in us that God wants to go bigger and deeper within us so that we're not leaning on a crutch because the neighbors brought him to the Pharisees. The neighbors didn't bring him to Jesus. So sometimes in our, in our approaches or in our attitudes or in our, the, in our very upbringing and the things that we are familiar with, we are naturally going to lean on what we know. But God is saying, I'm going to do a new thing. But before I can do that new thing, I need to press in. And this is important, my friends. When you feel the pressure of the pressing in, of the testing of your faith, don't quit. Don't give up. Because that is when God is wanting to strengthen you and causing you to stand and say, I once was blind, but now I see. My marriage once was cracked, but now it's healthy and whole. My children once were far from the Lord, but now they're standing and serving the Lord. We will all go through that shifting, that testing. But it's important that you're mindful as Lord, I'm going to stand what you're doing on the inside of me. Even though, Lord, I might not like this lesson. I might not like this pressing in. I might not like it. I feel the heat. I feel the pressure of my family. I see how it's affecting them. But I will not give up because I'm going to live the full life for you. 
That's what God has for us. Always be mindful of what God has done for me. Always be mindful of what God is doing in me. And always be mindful of what God is doing through me. Oh, he's moving. He's moving. And we see in verse 9, verses 35, Jesus heard what had happened. Jesus heard somebody standing up and saying, I was blind, but now I can see. Jesus heard somebody saying, I'm his disciple too. It is impossible for God to ever forsake you and me. And Jesus found him. And you see the exchange. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Jesus answered the man, Who is he, sir? Because I, I would like to. You have seen him. He is speaking to you now. I believe. And Jesus worshipped him. My friends, this man, Jesus said in the very beginning, he was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I'm still here in the world, I am the light of the world. God has an assignment for you and me. He has a task for you and me. But whatever you walk through, whatever you go through, there's going to be moments where you're going to encounter some of the stuff that that, that, that man that was healed with the blind eyes. Just remember, be mindful of what God has done for me, what God is doing in me, and what God is doing through me. The day before Christmas Eve, I got a phone call from my dad who was released from the hospital. And um, this was a Saturday. And so um, my dad is a believer and Jesus Christ loves God with all of his heart. And so he called and says, hey, I've been released. I'm going home. And he was just perky and and just great. I said, great, Dad. Okay, I'll see you. I'll see you uh, tomorrow because we're going to have some, you know, celebrate the holidays. Five hours later, I receive a phone call. The ambulance has come, picked Dad up. He's non-responsive. They're bringing him to the local hospital. And they've had to intubate him. And I'm in my mind, I'm processing. I said, no, no, no. I just spoke with him five hours ago. He was fine. But the sickness, he had had double pneumonia in both lungs. And it was kind of, some things were kind of hidden. And so when one hospital released him, it, uh, it put him in a bind. And when you hear the word intubation, it's not good. And so I get there and I see my dad, non-responsive, intubated. There's no life. And I'm processing it at first. I'm just wanting just to become so mad to just spit. What is going on here? And only what I could do is, Lord, 
This is not his final days. And I just began to speak life over him. And I called family and friends and pastors. And we just began to pray and plead the blood of Jesus over him. And he was not in a good state. He was closer to Jesus spending eternity with him than he was on this side of the earth. The ambulance driver even said, because we wanted to bring him to Lafayette, they said he will not make it. He has to go to the local hospital. And so we just began to pray over him and pray over him. And I anointed him with oil and I covered him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet and just began to stand and speak life over him. And I would not give up. Because here's the deal. Whether God was to keep him on this earth or whether God was to bring him home to eternity, he was still going to be healed. But I wasn't ready for him to leave this side of earth yet. And so day in and day out, no response. No response. We're going to the hospital. We're staying all night. They're, they're giving you these, you know, negative reports. And it's like, no, in Jesus' name, he's going to be healed. In Jesus' name, he's going to walk up out of that hospital bed and go home. And so Christmas morning, we had, we had gone to the house real quick, fresh and took a shower and we came back and they were tell, they were saying, you need to hold off a little bit. And something wasn't right. And I'm about, I I love Jesus, but it's my family. I'm about to bust through a door and I don't care who you are. You let me go where my family is. And, and the nurse was very, he was great, great nurse. And so we get in there and again, your mind is just so, your, the process and, and everything, your mind is just so heavy on. And we get there. And the very negative report that we had been hearing, this is serious, yada, yada, yada. He started breathing on his own. And they removed that intubation tube. This was Monday, Christmas Day. By Tuesday, he was standing on his feet. By Wednesday, he was wanting to walk and I see you to get his. I said, Dad, you can't just hold on just a minute. He was on a move. I say that to say, Dad got up and he was released from the hospital and is home and healthy and whole now. Because God has given us a fullness of life. And my friends, you can trust God at his word to meet you where you are, to strengthen you and to help you, whatever your assignment is before he calls you home. That is the good shepherd and the good God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Come on, could you stand to your feet? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, you might just need to take a moment just to begin to reflect what God has already done for you and what He's going to continue to do for you and your family. But if you say, Dixie, I don't know of this, the good God that you're describing. I don't know of His love. I don't know of of just that faithfulness. 
But I need like that, like that blind man. I need him to bring a healing to my heart. I need him in my life. If you have never asked God to say, Lord, I need you to come into my life and forgive me. I say, Lord, I need you to, to, to give me a purpose, to give me a strength, to give me a hope. Lord, my friends, it is his joy and delight and very purpose is to be there for you and to give you life. There is nothing that brings him greater joy than someone says, I need Jesus. Because that's exactly why he came, was to give us life. And if you fall within that category, say, Dick said, I just, I need him to be my Lord and Savior. Come on, I want you to just, it's not the words, but it's the, the motive and the, the faith in your heart, whether you're here, whether you're watching. You can repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I recognize my need for you. Lord, I can't keep going the way that I'm going. I need you in my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord, of trying to live life without you. I receive your forgiveness now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Come on, how many of God has a fuller things for us? There is more in 2024. I think Pastor Rob said that. Yes? Come on, and we can we can go with a greater expectation. Lord, you did some great things in 2023, but Lord, I'm looking forward to what you have in 2024. So come on, could you just do, just lift your hands and let's just ask the Lord, Lord, I thank you. Come on, just tell them, Lord, I thank you. And I praise you for your faithfulness in my life. I praise you for your faithfulness in my family. And Lord, help me to stand and not give up. Holy Spirit, I ask that every person that is in here, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Remind them of what you have done in them. What you are doing through them. Lord, that they would stand on the promises of your word. And that they would not, in the weariness of life, Lord, give up. But to trust you. To lean on you. To depend upon you. Strengthen them in greater measures, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. Guys, we love you. We believe in you. So if you need anything, we're here for you. But you are dismissed. Hope to see you Sunday. God bless.